You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, it's a basketball season in review, and we're looking ahead to some spring football that may or may not happen with the Utes. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, you Nation. And Scott. <laughs> How we doing? <laughs> Scott's quarantined. We are practicing social distances, right? Yes, we are. We're in our own homes, miles apart from each other. And naked. <laughs> well, Scott is. Hey, th- I don't want any. I don't want any cor- corona attaching to my clothes. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Off to a fantastic start. Welcome back, everyone. It's been, it's been a while. It's been a while since we podcasted, especially about the running Utes. It has been a been quite a while we we did got interviews throughout the season uh and really we were anticipating a, a kind of a kickoff podcast to some postseason play i, I was kind of hoping nit tournament for this team I, i'm just going to chalk it up that they would have made the nit if it wasn't for the coronavirus shutting down oh. the ncaa <laughs> oh you've got to be kidding me you don't think they would have made it they barely the N- made the Pac-12 tournament. <laughs> <laughs> the NIT is our new ceiling. <laughs> all right. I'll, no, in all, all seriousness, I, I honestly think if this young team could have made the NIT with, with a Pac-12 league that was predicted to get six to seven teams in the NCAA tournament, I actually think that's pretty good. Remember when we went to the NIT Final Four and were ex- and that was supposed to catapult the team in the next in the following season? How'd that turn out? Well, I don't think any of those guys are still on the team. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's. I'm surprised there's any guys left on this team still. It's because they're all they all they all have died from the coronavirus. <laughs> Jeez, Larry! Larry went around licking everybody's locker room doorknob. That was a, that was the most success he's had all year. Oh, I'm a big Larry supporter. So we'll get into Larry and his situation a little bit later in this episode. Uh, but just looking at this team, you know, going 16 and 15 overall, 7 11 in conference, are there any high points for this team? If you look at the season as a whole, are there any high points? Yeah. I mean, early on, there was a couple of high points the win over Kentucky and then the win over BYU, and then it, they just fell off a cliff. I, I mean, I think you could say maybe a little bit of a high point even though they lost at home to Oregon early in Pac-12 play, uh, they they competed really well, and that's when our Oregon was ranked number four in the country and and played really well uh, and had a chance to win that one. But really after that, I think they just played awful basketball the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the non-conference, I mean, I remember being at, uh, I think it was the first home game of the season, and I don't remember who who the Utes played, some podunk team from uh, some podunk league, but we we beat them by a hundred points, and we offensively we looked we looked really good. Non conference went nine and four, five and zero oh at home, and actually looked as young as this team was with not that high of expectations. Looked pretty good. But then, yeah, conference conference play hit, and I'll tell you, just as the season wore on, it just seemed like the team got almost worse and worse, and we just continued to go through these stretches where we could not score the ball and these droughts that were just so hard to watch. I mean, there's 
there, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of reason for optimism with the talent that's on this team and as young as it is and what is coming in. But I, I still personally have a lot of questions about this coaching staff and where it stands and really what can this coaching staff do with this talent. Well, I think to that point, Scott, I mean, Larry has said at the beginning of the season that he was kind of changing the approach uh, of this team and the guys and how he was coaching. He was kind of taking a different way of his coaching style. Um, you know, he brings in Coach Martinez and uh, to replace Sol- uh, Slocum. You know, that kind of paid off in the recruiting trail that, we, you know, Utah gets a son coming up next season. But to your point, this coaching staff kind of has been the same since Larry's been here. So it was nice to get a little bit of a change to, to start the season. But but how big of a change really was it? And, and, and I mean, I'd ask you guys, like, where do you stand on this staff? Because I, I almost wonder if, if, if we need some movement within the staff. Because um, we're not going to get it with Larry at the moment. But... I mean, losing Slocum and bringing in Martinez, I just didn't. I just didn't see Martinez even interacting with the guys. I didn't see him coaching during the game, pre-game, halftime. He just kind of sat there. I'm, so I'm kind of, you know, wondering. Obviously, you know, we're not involved in in the practices and in a lot of behind the scenes. But I'm wondering, like, what type of addition was he beyond having? you know, securing his son to come to Utah. And then beyond that, you know, you know, I have questions about Andy Hill and even, um, and even Tommy Connors. I mean, I agree. I, I don't, I think it's year after year in the last four to five years, you haven't seen improvement in the players that at least have been able to stick around. Obviously we haven't seen a lot of players stick around, uh, which is a problem in and of itself, but you've kind of hamstrung yourself a little bit with these coaching moves. You've got Ryland Jones, whose dad's on the staff. Now you've got Martinez coming in, whose dad's on the staff. What moves can you make to improve? There's only a limited number. If, if, if Larry's not going anywhere, which he's probably not because the buyout's so big, that leaves you Andy Hill or Tommy Connors is really the only guys you could potentially move to get to make a change. Okay, but can I throw this out there with with what Larry's going through right now, right? With a lot of people are speculating he's got one year, maybe two years max, um, unless something miraculously happens and, and they get change, things changed around. Who's going to want to come into this coaching staff? Who who's going to be part uh, of of a head coach that could be gone in a year? That could be out in in twelve months. I mean, literally. Larry Kostroviak could be gone in, in 12 months. Who, who in the basketball true, world would want to come into that, that kind of a situation? Well, I mean, if, if I wouldn't, but then, then you'd look at what uh, Mark Harlan has to look at then play with. Nothing, because Larry hasn't shown for year after year that he has the, bil- the ability to make improvements and get beyond a first or second second round game in the conference tournament and a, and a really mediocre season at best. So either you buy him out and you move on completely or you ride out his contract in mediocrity and then move on. But, but can Utah basketball afford to just keep putting it off year after year? Because we've been down this road for four straight years where this team underperforms, transfers every off season, and and is is it is that there is a real possibility that maybe Larry's turned the corner on year nine, you know, with this recruiting <laughs> class that he that he um, has brought in, and and if he can keep them, and he can keep guys on that are impacting this current roster. Then yeah, there's a chance that that he can kind of turn the corner and and get this team back in the NCAA tournament. But but what I'm not what I'm not confident in is his ability to maintain the roster, and 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 that's been the that's been one of the biggest issues. And I know yes, transfers are a part of college basketball. They're here to stay. Wichita State 
is basically lost half their team this year to the transfer portal. So I know it happens. It's not just a Utah issue, but other teams are able to avoid the critical masses, the critical losses. There's a reason we have like 12 freshmen on this team, and that's you, you have no upperclassmen leadership. And until you get, get guys to stick in the program for three or four years, you're going to continue to go down this road. You know, hopefully Timmy Allen, you know, he'll be a junior next year, Booth Gotch, those guys. But we, the problem is we haven't had those guys because we continually just lose some key components. So, with that being said, though, I guess you could make the argument that we really don't know how good of a coach Larry could be because he can't keep the players. The problem is that's part of college basketball is the recruiting and maintaining those players beyond just your ability to coach them up once they're on the floor. And if you yeah. can't do both, then you got to move on at some point. Well, uh, I... I, I, I I, I'm pretty confident saying I think Larry's a better than average basketball coach at the D1 level. I, I think uh, I think he's a pretty darn good coach. The problem is beyond just some X's and O's in game planning, which he's proven to be pretty good at, is every other aspect of running a program. And 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 you've got to be good across the board on all of these things. He's being paid. He's the second highest paid coach in the Pac-12 right now, top 10 nationally. So if you're going to get paid like that, you've got to be able to produce and not just be good at a few a few things across the board. Because Utah basketball fans, are the patience is gone. We are sick of rebuilding. We are sick of saying, oh, next year. He's got to produce. This staff has got to produce. Um, I mean, it's it's time. And, and going back to that point of, you know, whether Larry can um, whether we can afford to even walk away from him. You know, I don't I don't think it's going to happen. So I don't think we necessarily even need to really dive into that. But next year, next year is critical, not for just making the tournament. But this team has to make the tournament with ease and be a high seed, I think. Scott, you mentioned, you know, kind of the future. Uh, with Larry and where this team is is doing, you know, let let you and I kind of look back at this season uh, at the players um, and and kind of where they are now and, and see where where they move forward. You know, honestly, this season I was blown away by Raylan Jones. The dude is just a stud, and it all started in their first road game against Nevada, a tight ball game right at the end. He got fouled, had to go to the free throw line uh, uh, to really to win the game for the Utes. And he went up there and just knocked both of them down. From that point on, that's when I knew that this kid was a star in the making. I saw him a couple times in high school, and I knew he was a D1 player. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he, that he was a complete surprise. But he was a surprise in the fact that just how just how natural it seemed that he stepped onto a Division One court as, as a true freshman. For me, I think Jones is a very important part moving forward. Oh yeah, I think I think he's huge because you you need at the at the point guard position you you need a stud. You need somebody who can run the team, who can settle a team down when the other team's making runs, who can effectively run an offense, make some key shots. I mean, he's not he's not a scoring point guard that's just going to be able to take over a game offensively because part of that's due to his lack of size. Um, and I don't, he doesn't even seem to have that mentality of a guy who really wants to score. Yeah. I was going to say, that's my one. So I was going to say, that's my one biggest knock on his game is he doesn't look enough for his own shot. Yeah. I, 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 he, he, and, and he's not alone on this. The entire team, half the season was so tentative offensively. They, they pass up open shots, you know, to, to hopefully get other guys better shots but it never really turned into um, better shots, and they'd end up turning the ball over, shot clock violations, and and I, I don't think Ryland was was immune to that. But I think he is so good at being able to to deliver the ball where it needs to and help make guys better and give them easier shots offensively. And for s- such a true a young guy, true freshman at his size. 
Yeah, he he has been so good. He's just kind of like that calming influence on the floor. And especially late in the season, we saw how effective he really was when we didn't have him out there. You know, late in the season, um, even though the team played well in spurts, not having him run and be healthy and, and run the offense was was pretty critical at times. But yeah, I think he had a great freshman year. And and he's gonna have he's gonna have a heck of a career here, um, and 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 as they continue to put some talent around him, I think he's gonna be get you know he's gonna get even better. I, I do want to bring up though what you said. You know he missed the last couple games of the season. He he did get dinged up, and I think a lot of that had to do with size. Um, I mean he, I know he was struggling with ankle issues almost the the entire season. Uh, but but later on, you know, it was a, a rib issue and then a possible concussion because, uh, I mean, he lays it all out on the court, right? I mean, he is willing to take a charge from anybody um, and, and sometimes he just, he you know, being the littler guy, somebody just got knocked out for it. Are you concerned with moving forward with his health status? Well, I think as I, I think that's going to be there throughout his career just because of his size. He he's somebody who's not. He's got a mentality that he's not afraid of anybody, and he's not afraid to put his nose anywhere on the court. And then you match that with his lack of size. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna battle injuries. I think his entire career. Now, hopefully, they're just minor bumps and bruises, and nothing that's gonna cause him to to miss a lot of time. But I, I really can't argue it because that's what you want out of your players. You want guys who aren't afraid of anybody. That'll that'll take a charge from a guy twice their size. That not afraid to go in and box somebody out that's twice their size. So I I think you're going to see that, and and that's why getting some depth behind him, so that if he has to you know miss some time and miss some games from time to time, it's not as big of a blow as it was this year. All right. So I think the guy I've been wanting to talk to you about. Timmy Allen, obviously he's the star of the team. Do you think he's living up to that? I, to me, this year he kind of seemed up and down. Um, and for me, I don't, and I'm not trying to knock him because he's just a kid. But I don't think he really took that next step this past season of being that superstar of the of the team. And I think the Utes really need him to turn into that. Almost, and I don't want to put this pressure on him, but he almost needs to turn into the next. DeLon Wright, Kyle Kuzma, for this team to really take the next step? Well, the, the, hard, the hard part is, I, you know, you're never going to be able to be a superstar if you don't have a, a, a skill set that, that is all around, where he's able to shoot the ball from the perimeter. He's got a pull-up game. We know his ability to drive. Early on in the season, he, the part of the reason we were so good in non-conference play is because teams didn't know how to play him. And he was getting to the basket at will. He, he, his best attribute is his ability to drive and finish. He is extremely good about that. But as the season wore on, and especially by the time we got into conference play, where his play kind of started to falter a little bit, is teams were not allowing him lanes to get to the basket anymore. And then we didn't have any, we didn't have consistent three point shooting to allow open space for him to penetrate. And what he's got to do this offseason, I think he's he's got the athletic ability. He's a he's in a he's a really good basketball player. But if he could develop an outside shot, he can take that next step to be the stud and to be an all Pac-12 player and maybe even a, a player of the year candidate if he can develop an outside shot. And until he does that, defenders are going to continue to lay five, six feet off of him and make it very difficult on him to get in the lane and score. If he can develop a three-point shot and and be consistent and willing to take it and make some of them, then I think I think the sky's the limit for him. He could be he could be really good, but he's got to spend all summer long developing a shot. Um, and until he does that, he's going to have good games and he's going to have no show games. Yeah. And you talk about that, how he kind of needs to develop that, that shot. I completely agree with you on that aspect. But the thought kind of occurred to me, 
how much does this go back to coaching and developing talent? You know, one thing that Kyle Winningham gets praises all over the nation and, in, you know, Brett from Pick 6 Preview has Utah as the number one developing program in the nation. And it's what Kyle Winningham and staff can do with players and get them to a higher level. And what, what can Larry's staff do with Timmy Allen? What, what can they do to make him better this, this next season going forward? Because I, again, I think a lot of it is going to ride on, on Timmy Allen's shoulders. Yes, they have a great class coming back. They have a lot of talent, uh, that were, that were true freshmen last year that, that are coming to the program. But if you want to win in this league, you need to have stars, just like the NBA. In college basketball, you got to have stars. And, and, and frankly, Utah just doesn't have one yet. And, and to your point, Scott, it seems like Timmy Allen has that, uh, the makings of one. Now it's can Larry and company develop him into one? Yeah, you know, and I'm not sure that's necessarily on Larry um, or even even his staff because if you look at his, I mean, he does not have just a natural shot. It is it's a pretty convoluted, formless shot that he has, and and shooting like that, obviously, to be a really good shooter, you know, and I'm not trying to talk out of my, out of out of my mouth here because I, I'm not that, nor nor do I know how to coach it, but. To be a good shooter, you got to have repetition. And it's hard. Just looking at his shot, it looks hard to replicate time time in and time again. Because it's just, there's hitches to it. And sometimes it seems like he gets stuck trying to get through it. Um, other times he gets pretty quick. And, and to an extent, there's only so much a coach can do, you know, with something like that. I mean, you bring up Kuzma. Kuzma... You know, from everything we've heard about him, when he was at Utah, he was just a gym rat. All he was, he was in the gym nonstop. And over time, he turned himself into a shooter and really an overall all-around good player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the coaches, there's things that they can do to help, help you know, maybe simplify his shot a little bit. But it, at the end of the day, any anything that they do to help him, he's then got to take to the gym and spend a lot of time implementing that and making it consistent. So it's the same shot over and over again to develop, you know, that ability to be a consistent outside threat. So I think he's he's definitely got the ability, and he's he's our guy. He's that he's going to be the team captain. He's going to be the guy that you're going to go to. Um, and he's still a heck of a player, but if he can develop some somewhat of a consistent outside shot, he then has the ability, I think, to be that Pac-12 first-team player and really be the leader of this team his junior and senior year. Can I just say, Braden Carlson has been an answer to so many Utah fans' prayers. Holy crap, this kid comes home from an LDS mission and. You know, I think at the beginning of the season kind of took him a little bit to kind of get his legs under him, um, kind of get in the flow of D1 ball. But, man, it's so nice to have a center that can catch the ball, keep it in his hands, keep his feet there, and go up and lay it up or dunk it. You know, he was, he's was he been a big surprise uh, for me this season. And, and honestly, uh, if they can get a little bit more help from the, the, the forwards around him, I think that will benefit him immensely. Uh, especially if he's not having to be relied on to get every single rebound on both sides of the floor. So, Ryan, as far as Carlson, how excited are you about his gameplay this season? Uh, early on, I don't think I was overly excited, but I would say as the season went along, he I think he probably grew the most out of any player in my mind. And, I mean, going forward, I think there's a lot of potential with him, he's got a little bit, uh, a little bit of range, at least probably around out to about fifteen feet or so. Uh, but his ability to defend the rim um, it, it is really good. I like that, and then he he's got great hands uh, around the, around the basket as well. So I think I think the future is bright with him for sure. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> down low, his some of the games that he had. Eight blocks, multiple games, 
I mean, he he turned into a defensive presence that uh, that this team's needed, but yet has that ability to score on the other end. I mean, Larry Larry was very critical of a lot of guys on this team that are not two way players, whereas Carlson Carlson has proven to be a guy that can get it done def- defensively and then still have the ability to score. As a young guy, obviously he had some games where he, you know, was inconsistent, and and uh, and that's going to happen with any young guy. But yeah, having him as young as he is, he's gonna he's gonna be a huge part of this team moving forward. You know, I, I think uh, obviously I I became a huge fan of uh, um, Mikkel Jantunen. He uh, he turned into a stud. I mean, he he's ne- he's he's never going to be kind of that glory guy that's going to get a lot of attention and and be the spotlight. But he seems like he he has that potential to be kind of a glue guy on this team. He boxes out. He gets rebounds. He dives on the ground for loose balls. He's able to finish around the basket when he gets the ball offensively. And as I think as he gets a little bit more um, confidence, he's he's proven he can shoot the three. So you know I think I think he's got a ton of bright side. And and as he progressed over the season, I think he kind of eliminated somewhat Riley Batten's role. I mean Riley has never been real strong in the paint. He's kind of more of a of a stretch four who can shoot it, but then. Towards the end of the season, he lost any ability to even shoot the ball, and he was afraid to shoot it, which was just so strange to see him this year because early on he was pretty good and pretty consistent, and he just absolutely fell off a cliff. And I'll tell you what, he is slower than molasses. Well, yeah, he he doesn't have, you know, that lateral quickness to, to defend defensively. And, I mean, he's a guy I would... You know, I don't want to run any guy out of the program, but minutes are going to become they're going to be tough to tough to get next year. I think I think Riley, I think Jackson Brenchley, those are two guys that uh, um, they're going to really have to step up. I think if they want a, a significant role in next year's team, because one guy who I think we were not planning on even being on the team next year, but I think is going to be a staple on the team next year is Plummer. Alfonso Plummer came out of nowhere. I I've been high on Plummer only basically because he's from Puerto Rico and I love Puerto Rico. I was super excited when Utah signed him out of Arizona Western College. Uh, but yeah, to your your credit, Scott, you know here here's a guy who's just a, a pure shooter. You know his minutes were up and down kind of all season, um, and really came on strong late. You know, obviously he had the breakout game, a career night, um, in in the Oregon State game in the Pac-12 tournament. But even before that, that we still flipping <laughs> lost. But even before, <laughs> unbelievable. The, but even before that, when when Jones, you know, missed the last couple games and and Plummer's minutes were up, you know, he was a solid offensive weapon that that Larry had, and you know, I think that's one thing that Larry has had his whole career as a coach is his teams go in, in scoring droughts. You know, every game, it seems five to eight minutes. They just can't buy a basket. And when you got a shooter like Plummer um, that just put on a clinic against Oregon State, you know, to your point, Scott, I you know, I don't think it was just a flash in the pan, one game, and, and we're never going to see that again. I mean, obviously, he's not going to hit, you know, 10, 11 threes in a game probably. But I think he can be a consistent scorer for Utah. Oh. Well, I agree, and I think it's exciting to to have someone like that in the program. Uh, but what we saw there in the second half of that game will be a problem going forward if you don't add more talent or guys that can score because Oregon State just moved shifted what they were doing defensively and didn't he didn't get as many looks as he got in the first half. And nobody else on that team could do anything. Well, it's because they went to a one-three-one, and we decided just to drain clock, dribbling five feet from the center court. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous how Larry coached that second half. It, there were a few times where we were aggressive against that one-three-one, and we got wide-open shots. We got great looks. 
And but it was so few and far between, we just pass it casually around the perimeter until the shot clock was running down. And I mean, Plummer, yeah, I know Plummer did not get minutes early on in the season because he was really, really bad defensively. But guess what? We also had guys playing throughout the entire season who were pretty bad defensively. So I just when 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 you have a team that was lacking a three point shooting, how do you not give him a chance? And even as bad as he was defensively, and you know it's just one more thing to add to to, to this list of what I just don't understand about Larry and and how he's coaching this team. But I think Plummer. I mean, shooters know how to shoot. He's not going to forget that. He'll, I would assume, he'll be back next year, and and he'll be able to. Uh, he'll be able. He's going to get some open shots because there's going to be a lot of talent on this team. And to that point, Scott, as much as we have knocked Larry um, on this episode, you know, I I will admit I am a Larry fan. Um, I want him to succeed. Um, I really want him to be able to turn this around. Uh, the re- the recruiting class, the signing class that he put together uh, this past um, period, it, it's phenomenal. I think probably an underrated guy in this class that's not getting a lot of pub is Mason Falsive. I mean, he could have played football at Utah if he wanted to. Uh, he's he's stuck with basketball. Uh, you know, six three, uh, uh, he's a two. And and to your point, maybe that's another shooter that can be out there. That can help a plumber, but I'm super high on Mason. Yeah, honestly, Mason is kind of an afterthought. You're exactly right, and he's he's an afterthought because of what is ahead of him. I mean, Ian Martinez, who's um, really the biggest recruit the University of Utah's ever landed. He's he's the real deal. He's a guy that can come in and score, and I think that's partly why his. You know, his dad's on this coaching staff was they really wanted him on this team. And uh, he's a guy that's going to demand minutes from day one, super athletic and score the ball from the outside and can get inside. Um, you know, and I, I, I obviously that's pretty clear just with his rating. Um, but I mean, you look at the other guys coming in, you got this Caleb Lawner. Who's a local kid, six six, two hundred. If you watch his tape, it's probably one of the prettiest shots I think I've seen in a long, long time. It is so pure, and and he's 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 got a good body on him. I'll be interested to see kind of where he ends up playing because he he has that. Uh, I'm just not sure he can be a, a two or a, you know completely on the wing the entire time. Um, but he's definitely a guy who can stretch the floor and, and shoot it both mid-range and 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 from deep. And, and so, Scott, you bring up Ian Martinez. Yeah, I mean, obviously what you said, he is kind of the golden child of the signing class. If you look at his offers, Arizona, USC, you know, his some big-time offers. Uh, and for, for him to pick Utah, and yes, his dad's on – on the roster or on the coaching staff. So it probably has to do a, a lot of it to what you were saying, Scott. He is so athletic. Yeah. I think that aids to, to his skill set of what he's going to do. And I don't think he's going to be a typical, you know, freshman coming from, you know, a high school in the U S uh, and, you know, I think this is, this has got to be the class that Larry needs that helps Larry get over the hump. If Larry cannot win with what he has in the program right now and what's coming in the program, then I think it is time to start thinking what else is out there as far as a head coach. Dude, we, <laughs> we haven't even talked about the sweetest sensation yet. Go ahead. Is that Tiger's you know, ex-wife? Oh, well, you oh, know. She's, she's Nor- she was Norwegian. Never mind. <laughs> he's got good size and, and he can shoot the ball, but he, he's just... Just watching some film on him, obviously you're only kind of seeing seeing his highlights, but he looks like a kid that uh, I honestly didn't really know what to expect when he committed. Um, but the more I've watched um, of some film on him, he can play. He he can play inside. He can play outside. Um, he's got really he's got the ability to get up and, and finish around the basket. 
I would not be surprised since I mean he's not he's not somebody who's really getting a lot of pub in this in this class. But I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and he's kind of a bright bright spot and a guy who gets some early playing time because I mean this this class finished uh, number seven nationally and and uh, I believe Cam you can double you can correct me on this but I believe they they did finish first or did, or did they fall the second in the Pac twelve No, I still showing that they're uh, the class is as tw- number one in the Pac twelve. Yeah, I mean, who, who, when the heck was was the last time that happened? So this class, yeah, I think they've got the ability to come in and really jumpstart this program with the guys that we've got coming back. But I'd be, I, I think we should jump into kind of how these guys fit into the roster and and take a little bit of a look as far as maybe how rotations are going to look next year or 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 at least playing time. So if you want to look ahead to next year, I mean, this is just me speculating, but could you see a starting lineup of Jones, Gotch, and Martinez? Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is you're you're not going to log guys into positions because so many of these guys, I mean, you even saw it this year, that Timmy Allen, how many times did he bring the ball up in the up the court? He was playing quote-unquote point guard uh, a number of times this year so I think I think you're going to be able to to really see some different lineups yeah I think you can see Rylan you're going to be able to see Booth because Booth can slide over and play the two or the three um, you're going to see Plummer um, I mean I think you're going to be able to see a number of, of different options just due to the talent on this team Obviously, you're still going to have uh, Braden Carlson, Jean Tunin, um, and potentially Batten down low. But beyond that, you're going to you're going to see a lot of different rotations with with three to four wing type players who can shoot the ball between Lawner, between Booth Gotch, Plummer, um, and even Pelle Larson. And, and if you and if you want to include in that Jackson Brinchley. But I kind of, I mean, as I as I look at this, some of these guys are going to lose. They're going to lose playing time unless they unless they come and surprise some folks. And I, I'm I'm wondering where Jackson Brenchley is going to end up with with uh, how talented that backcourt's going to look. I mean, that's a great point, Scott, because Brenchley's a player, a kid we haven't even mentioned yet tonight. Uh, and you know, I'm not trying to take away anything from him because. You know, there were times where he played some solid minutes uh, for Utah. But really, I mean, there's just so much depth there right now uh, with this class coming in. It is going to be interesting to, to see where minutes are played out. Um, but with that depth, I still don't know where this team is going to be next year. There, they, There's a lot of promise. There's a lot of potential. But I, I don't know where they're going to end up. Well, and, and I think that's the key in having Timmy Allen back and him continuing to improve in his game because he's, he's kind of the alpha dog on this team, and he's going to be a three-year starter next year. So he's got some experience. You you add Booth Gotch, who's going to be a th- basically a three-year starter, playing a ton of minutes. Those two guys, and maybe, I mean, you could potentially throw Riley Batten into that, assuming he's still in the program next year. Those three guys are going to provide some leadership to this team amongst just a plethora of young freshmen, sophomores. And, I mean, in all honesty, I am really, I am excited because I, I look at that and think, man, that's a ton of weapons and that's a ton of talent that, is even going to be on the bench at times. So, you know, I'm 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 excited assuming that Larry can can mold these guys into into something that can be top half of the league because this next year is make or break. I cannot imagine for the life of me. I can't imagine that Mark Harlan's going to accept anything that is not uh, a shoe in for um, a high bid in the in the in the NCAA tournament next year. 
And I, and that's what I said early on. You, you, this team cannot just squeak themselves into the NCAA tournament. I think they've got to be. I think they've got to be so good that they're in regardless. Well, this goes back to what Cameron said a few minutes ago. This, this, if this, if the majority of the players from this team, this year's team, stay together, and then you bring in the projected talent for next year, this will show. Larry's ability to coach them. It's going to make or break for him. It, it really is. And, and all you have to do uh, is, is look around the arena and games and, and all the empty seats. And I think that will help, help Mark Harlan decide where the, where this program moves forward. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not advocating to get rid of Larry. I, 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 like, I am. You are Scott. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I think what Mark Harlan needs to do is he needs to come out and he needs to pull from the rafters Chris Hill's jersey that somehow we thought was a good idea to retire amongst a bunch of players. And That's Dr. Hill to you. He that thing needs to be pulled down. Because he's the one that gave Larry this extension that's hampering the program <laughs> at the moment. Just for that reason, I don't think we should we should have hung his jersey in the rafters. Ridiculous. Oh, I I can't. And, 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 and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify that. Chris Hill deserves for sure to be um, recognized in some way. Hanging a jersey that has. 31, which reflects the amount of years he was with the program in the rafters next to players. That doesn't make any sense to me. It, it is a little odd. Uh, I'll, I'll admit. And, and to your point with the contract to Larry, I, I can't justify it. Uh, when his, if he's still here and his contract is up, I cannot justify coming close to what he was getting, um, let alone a raise, um, from what he was getting. But saying all that, I am a Larry fan. I I do want him to su- succeed. And I, what you were saying, Scott, as far as a, as a high seed in the tournament, I don't know if they necessarily have to get a high seed, but I do think there will be pressure that they do need to make the tournament. And especially when you have, just look at our state alone, Utah State and BYU, they're on the rise. They have young coaches that are up-and-comers that, for all intents and purposes, are getting their teams into the NCAA tournament. And and I think that does put some pressure, n- not only from Utah fans, but internally with the university, is their top dog in this state. They need to match what they're doing and even better to what those you know smaller athletic departments are doing. Well, yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's being paid like a top dog. He needs to start acting like it. He needs to produce. And you know what? I would love to see Larry succeed here because I think I think he's a good dude. I think he's he 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 coaches the right way. I think he's got a good mentality on a lot of things, and I think he's clean. He runs a clean program. He's not diving in to the sh- to the Sean Miller shenanigans. And, and that I do appreciate, but what I don't appreciate is getting paid like that and continually producing these teams that just are NIT at best. And, and I think he's got the ability to get there. I do. Cause he's, he's done it before with other good teams. I just want, I, what I want to see from him is not these one shot wonders. I want to see him produce some consistency and, and be, continue to be at the top of the league and not only be at the top of the league, but produce when you're there. Because we went four straight years of getting a, a buy in the first round of the Pac 12 tournament, which tells you that we were pretty good those four straight years. And, we have now gone five years without winning a game in the Pac-12 tournament. As the higher seed, as I mean, it's just it's, it, he's not producing in the games that we need him and his teams to produce in. And I just don't know how you can continue to give him opportunity after opportunity if he's not going to take advantage of it. 
Okay, I think that's you know a, a great kind of ending point for our our year uh, of, of running new basketball. We'd love to hear uh, what you guys have to think um, about this team, about the program, and then where they're going moving forward. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. I, I do want to talk before we wrap this up. I do want to talk a little bit uh, of spring football. You know, they were able to get one week of practice in, and then with what's going on with the coronavirus, the NCAA um, and and the Pac-12 has shut down um, kind of all athletic programs um, right now. There hasn't been an official word, at least the, what I know of, there hasn't been an official word that spring football is canceled. Um, it's just not happening right now. And I don't know, I, I mean, no one really knows what's going to happen in the end. But are you guys concerned at all with the program and and not having spring ball right now? I think a little bit, just to the sense of how much, how many talented players we lost just just due to graduation this past year. Because spring football was going to give a lot of these young guys an opportunity to learn their role and learn the scheme. So I think in that regard, it hurts. But I think I don't think any other team in the country is getting an advantage because pretty much every school in the country has shut down their spring program as well. Uh, so I, I guess it's a little bit of both. The good thing is, is we're not necessarily implementing a new offense this year, which would have been critical for, for getting a spring uh, practices in. But uh, I think where it hurts is obviously how young we are defensively. And how many new guys are vying for positions and, and trying to get some experience at those positions. So, um, but, but really across the board, everybody's in the same boat. Um, everybody's losing out on these practices and these opportunities. And so it will be interesting to see kind of how that affects fall camp and maybe how Kyle approaches fall camp, assuming, <laughs> assuming we have a fall camp and we're all not dead. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm just disappointed. We don't get to see kind of this quarterback battle between Jake Bentley and, and, um, um, Cam Rising, because uh, that's what I was excited about, is kind of see the progress of the quarterbacks and see some of these position battles that uh, we're pretty anxious for. Well, I think when you bring up the quarterbacks, I think that is one with with the canceling of, of spring, or not the canceling, but the postponing of spring practice, I think that does hurt the quarterback battle because Cam Rising has at least had the opportunity to sit and watch and practice uh, for a year this the schemes that Ludwig has in place where Bentley hasn't had that uh the opportunity to to do that so that that could hurt his ability to to compete um I mean right to that point not only is is Bentley not getting those reps in in practice but he's not getting building that chemistry between the wide receivers um you know Cam Rising was able to get you know, some of that, obviously, he wasn't with the ones um, all year, but at least being in the locker room, throwing after practices, I think that helps. Bentley is a three-year starter. He has Division One experience, but not with these guys. Um, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that the NCAA, um, you know, just push a spring ball back. I don't know if they do it in, in July or, or June or even add a couple of, of weeks to, to fall camp. Exactly what the players want. <laughs> I don't know. If you add it to fall camp, that just makes for a really long season to wear those guys out. So I, I don't know that that happens. Well, I, I'd be curious I, if if you guys have heard anything, but obviously they're not able to do these uh, these sanctioned practices. Um, but you know, you know that these coaches around the country are still getting together with their players, maybe in smaller groups, and they're still working on things. They're still they're still doing some things. I cannot imagine that the coaches have just cleaned up shop uh, and are are sitting twiddling their thumbs. I, I would imagine the NCAA is allowing some sort of uh, interaction and things to take place, even though they're not organized practices. Yeah, well, and and guys can still get together and throw the ball around too, right? I mean, there's there's nothing in the rules about that. Um, it, 
I, I'm just hoping just because to what Ryan was saying, this team being so young, you know, getting those reps together, um, if there can be some sort of sanctioned practice for them to do that. Um, and another thing I wanted to bring up was recruiting. Uh, if you heard, you know, recruits are not allowed on, on campus right now. The coaches can't go out and, and be on campus of the high school or in their homes um, right now. Um, I did talk to a recruit um, just about two hours ago, kind of asking w- what's going on as far as recruiting, what he's experiencing right now. And he said that the coaches all over the country are being super aggressive. Um, you know, with them not being able to, to have players come out to their school or them go to the player school, it, it has changed recruiting for this cycle. Um, he said they're being a lot more aggressive uh, with, with their approaching and, and, and their communication. So it will be interesting to see how, how Utah kind of plays this recruiting cycle out uh, where it is a little bit different. It's a little unorthodox of, of what you know everyone's kind of used to right now. All right, so we'll kind of see, you know, what happens uh, with spring and with this football team uh, kind of leading up to the season over the summer. Uh, but, you know, there was an announcement about season tickets. Ryan, what has the university communicated to season ticket holders? Uh, that due to uh, COVID-19, we have an extended two-week period. To ticket renewal is now extended to May 13th. So all you season ticket holders, get uh, get out there and get those seats renewed because fall hopefully will be corona-free. Let's play some football. All right. So I think that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, you can find me in my house quarantined at youthman <laughs> underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can always go to our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And be sure to subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you can get a podcast. We are there. And I hope everyone stays safe out there. Wash your hands. Let's take care of each other and go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.